So let's get rolling with today's program. Um, for those of you just joining us, welcome. Uh, it's great to have our solar fam back for the final town hall of the year. We know it's a super busy time and we really appreciate you all being here. Um, and the question we've laid out today is, how can we bring solar and storage opportunities to, to everyone in the US? How can we offer clean energy options to anyone who wants them? It's, it's a big question and there are big opportunities um, and we're here to learn, share and discuss how we can create the kind of solar industry that has uh, a fair distribution of clean energy options uh, for all communities. So we've got a lot of questions in advance from, from our audience, so thank you for those. Um, and we do take questions as we go, so just pop those into the Q&A. And now I'm excited to uh, get to our expert guests today. I would like first to introduce Ajulo Otho. She's the founder and CEO of Enerwealth, and we're gonna bring her up on the screen in just a moment. Good morning, Ajulo. She is the founder and CEO of Ener Enerwealth Solutions and a committee, committee representative at Black Owned Solar Services Group or the Boss Group, which um, I believe is definitely the coolest name in the solar industry. So congratulations on that one. Welcome, great to have you here today. Good morning, thanks. And let's also welcome Heather Houston. She's the VP of People at Mosaic Solar and a steering committee representative at the new CEO-led initiative, Renewables Forward. Welcome today, Heather. Hi, thanks so much. And joining us is also Dana Sleeper. She's the Director of External Affairs at SIA. Uh, we'll bring her up on the screen. Um, lovely to have you today, Dana. Thanks for joining us. Um, on the solar contracting side, we have Jason Carney. Uh, Jason joined us for the July Town Hall and he is the president of the Tennessee Solar Energy Association and CEO of Energy Electives. Welcome back, Jason. Great to have you again. And we have another solar contractor joining us today. His name is Kenneth Wells. Kenneth's got, got his start at Grid Alternatives and is now the owner and founder of O&M Solar Services in Los Angeles. Really happy you could join us today, Kevin. Uh, Kenneth, welcome. Thank you for having me. And both uh, Jason and Kenneth's solar contracting stories and unique perspective in the industry are uh, available in news articles and on NPR. So we, rec we recommend you guys go and check out their stories. They're very inspiring. Um, so I was trying to figure out where to start um, the conversation today. And I kept coming back to the fact that solar deployment is such a community-oriented venture. Uh, most solar sales are still done by referral. Uh, solar contractors are embedded in their communities, and this is important because homeowners want to work with companies and people they trust, uh, and because solar technology and its benefits um, are still relatively new to a lot of folks, it's important that solar contractors are seen as, as trustworthy and reliable um, from the education that they provide during the solar sale up until you know, later add-ons like EV charging and storage over the years. It can be like a years-long conversation that, that, that contractors have with homeowners. So I thought I'd kick us off today with talking about community. And Jason, I'd, I'd like to go to you first. Um, I, w I went back and pulled up a quote uh, from, from your last time on your town hall. And you said, you said this, folks need to see solar in their community, see the person who did it and feel like that person is accessible. They also need to see how it can be profitable for them as a career. For African-American communities, it's not so much a job as it is an economy. 
So can you talk about your role as a solar contractor and how that aligns with your place in your community? Yeah, so uh, first let me say thanks again uh, to you, Tom, and, and Jessica, of course, for uh, inviting me back. And it's great to be on a panel with uh, great folks, uh, especially uh, Ajulo I've gotten uh, very uh, familiar with recently. So, um, and I always you know, give honor to God for health and strength to do what I do. Um, but to answer your question in uh, particular, uh, so my, my secret passion is, is you know, as a mentor um, and as a disciple of Christ, I've been given hope through his life and example. Hope is something you see with your eye or with your mind's eye, uh, and it encourages and motivates you. Uh, I believe my role as a solar contractor or an energy consultant can provide uh, encouragement or motivation to all uh, that I come into contact with, and especially the marginalized and underserved. So uh, hopefully that helps understand kind of how I try to fit in the community, hopefully as a mentor using solar uh, and energy efficiency uh, as a, a way to, to provide hope and encouragement. Awesome. Kenneth, uh, let's move over to you. Um, when, when we chatted a few months back, you talked about the role of being in your community. You know, what does being in your community mean to you? And how, how has it helped guide your life as a, as a solar contractor? Sure. Um, I guess for me, being in my community, I look at it from the perspective of um, my journey and um, how I got into the industry. And one of the I think I shared with you was uh, in order for me to get training, to get into the solar industry, I would have to travel about two two hours on public transportation to get to the closest training facility. Um, and I had to do that for four months, um, um, you know, after being out of prison for about maybe two months at that time. So uh, you can imagine for a 21-year-old trying to figure out opportunity for himself getting out of prison, how challenging that can be, and then have to figure out how to get the money to travel from point A to point B, which is two hours away. So, uh, and then getting into the industry, there was no representation of individuals like myself to really um, bridge the gap to um, getting um, gainful employment. So those are the two challenges that I face um, coming into this industry. And for me, what it looked like was, well, I still made it. Um, I, I was able to, I'm 10 years into the industry. I'm a licensed general contractor, C10 contractor, uh, NAPSEP certified and work for some of the largest uh, residential companies in the nation. And um, two years ago, I decided to start my own company. And specifically what we do is we reach back. We try to work with comp organizations that I came out of like Grid Alternatives and um, Homeboy Industries. Uh, and we try to get to make sure those people not only get training, that we work hard to create a successful business model that those people can also get uh, jobs once they get the training. Awesome. And uh, I'm going to come back to you in a little bit and talk about the role of mentorship, because that's something you really focus on in your company as well. Um, Ajulo, your, your company, EnterWealth, uh, their website, it says, we develop projects that celebrate and elevate the inner wealth of rural communities by reinvesting in those communities, our communities. Can you talk about the intersection between your work, your community and, and renewable energy? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Um, I think as Jason and Ken so expertly talked about, uh, Jason talking about his faith and 
Ken talking about his life experience. I think we all bring our personal perspective and experiences to this work. Um, it is in how we define uh, community and also um, why we're in this business to begin with. Um, this is part of my personal experience. <laughs> I'm doing this for my children and my children's children for sure. And um, as a member, as a member of a minority community, as an African-American woman, I bring that experience to the work that I'm doing as well. My experiences with uh, misperceptions about me and my skill set experiences with disc discrimination or structural barriers um, to my goals, all of that informs my work. And so what that has meant for me is that, first of all, I define community in a very inclusive way. I think the definition is really rooted in a context. And for me, it's an inclusive definition, but it could also be exclusive. Um, it was also meant for me that I tend to have a work ethic that means that I work twice as hard and twice as long to prove my value. And my projects likewise tend to go above and beyond the prevailing um, value propositions because of that perspective that I bring. I'm also from the rural South, so I'm a, I'm a country girl at heart. And um, the projects that I design are meant to, um, to really broaden the perspective about what it means to deploy clean energy within a particular setting, within a particular context. And for me, that context is within a rural community. And how can these projects have broader ripple effects within rural places and are not just um, reinforcing patterns of extractive industries where you know, a site is built and all of the resources are taken back out of the community except for a few um, bits and pieces here and there. So that's, that's how my perspective informs my work and my definition of community. Mm -hmm. um, as we as we all know, there, there's no silver bullet when it comes to con the, the to creating the communities and solar industry that we want. We need cross sectoral cross sectoral approaches. We need local initiatives, workforce development, um, and we need strong state and federal policies. You know, and we have an audience question today from from Mickey from North Carolina, and and uh, he or she asks, "I'd like to hear more about the 2021 clean energy goals." Um, and he suggested we toss it to Dana. You know, SIA um, has proposed an agenda, and, and I'm quoting here, to lay the foundation for a strong clean energy economy that prioritizes equity and environmental justice. Can you talk a bit about the 2021 agenda for SIA and, and, how, it, and how it will support equity and environmental justice? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Um, so SIA released what we called our 100 a plan for the Biden administration when the results of the election were called. Um, and as part of that, we were talking about policy changes that we recommended, just um, really putting into a, a succinct list of what the administration could be doing in order to ensure that solar continued to grow around the country. And a large component of that, uh, because it's one of our priorities as an organization, because it's our CEO's priority, and because it's a priority of our board of directors 
is to ensure that there is access to renewable energy for all Americans. Um, our trade organization specifically focuses on the U.S., so that's why I, I caveat it there. Um, obviously, we'd love to see it spread much, much wider worldwide, but that's our focus. Um, so as part of that particular plan, we built out what we call our Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice Leadership Council. And so that's a board-level uh, task force that we have, and it's made up of members of our board of directors that are extremely passionate about these types of issues. They directed us to produce several products, and we're going to be rolling those out in 2021. Um, one of those items is a diverse suppliers database. So uh, that particular product is designed to essentially uplift and showcase minority women-owned businesses, basically diverse solar businesses um, all along the supply chain so that those companies that maybe are larger and subcontract uh, within our industry can reach out to them and um, can begin to diversify their own supplier networks. So that's one way that we're, we're helping on that front. We're also on the policy front developing an equity and environmental justice policy platform. And we have a draft version of this right now that we're actually getting stakeholder input on at the moment to try to make sure that it's uh, you know, encompassing all of the policies that we wanna push forward. The idea is to have this set of principles and then example policies from various states or federal programs that really, again, provide access, enable people to access solar um, and do all of those things that we all feel so strongly about. We're also developing an industry certification program. Um, this is one of the projects that I'm heading up. And the goal of that particular program is actually to ensure that there is diversity, inclusion, um, and, and those sorts of priorities are pushed forward within solar companies themselves. And so it's an opportunity for companies to basically go through an audit process with the National Trade Organization where we say, okay, yes, you've, you know, you've administered a ban the box protocol for your hiring so that formerly incarcerated individuals will not be um, unfairly viewed when they're applying to solar jobs. You receive X number of points for doing that activity. And there's a whole set of activities that companies can participate in. And eventually they'll, you know, receive a certification based off the number of, of points they receive. So we're trying to incentivize our companies through that process to make changes in their own hiring practices and how they retain and promote employees internally, that they would have, you know, structured mentorship programs in place, all of those sorts of things that can help promote inter-industry growth. And then finally, we have another uh, project category, which is focused on professional development and mentorship. Um, and we're working on developing products there as well. So there's a lot going on at SIA in terms of our advocacy and our work for 2021 as it relates to um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. Awesome. Thank you for the update. Um, let's kick it over to, to Heather. Um, this topic of, of diversity, equity, inclusion has been around for many years, um, but it really took a leap forward this year uh, in the cultural discussions, as we all know. Um, and I, I'd like to start to talk about some of the groups that are represented on, on this show today. And one of those is Renewables Forward. They have quite a few member organizations listed on the Renewables Forward website, SIA being one of them, Mosaic, Next Tracker, Solar Foundation. Um, can you talk a bit about Renewables Forward and, and how it came about and how, you know, that group is trying to advance uh, equal equity and equal access in the solar industry? Um, yeah. Sure. So in in the spring, uh, with in response to everything that was going on with the killings of uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the 
the outcries and the, the protests that were going on, a group of solar CEOs got together uh, with the intent of what can we do collectively to take action. Um, from that, they started to create what the framework would be, what their, their areas of focus are. Um, the result of that was the Renewables Forward website. That's really the first step. Um, we've since created a smaller steering committee. You can imagine when you have this group that's newly formed uh, and you have all these people coming together, you're trying to figure out how you're going to collectively take action. Uh, and so we've created a steering committee and we've identified four subgroups with areas that we're focusing on. Um, the intent of this group is really about taking action. It's not about signing your name that you're in support of something. It's that you are joining with the intent to get involved, to roll up your sleeves, to do the work. Uh, we have some members who are also members of organizations like SIA, and we're aware of these other organizations to really try to make sure that we don't have uh, overlap and that we're complementing and supporting each other. Uh, the four primary focuses of the group or the subgroups that we're, we've put together uh, are looking at HR initiatives and best practices, uh, industry mentorship, how can we be mentoring people, encouraging them to enter the solar space or clean energy space, um, community impact and investment. And then uh, the fourth group is industry association coordination and collaboration, really recognizing that there are a lot of groups. Um, and again, how can we complement and support each other and not be doing redundant work? Great. Ajulo, um, I'd like to get your, um, get your thoughts on the, on the new boss group. Um, and I know that, that, that Jason is a part of that group, but can you talk about um, how the boss group came about and what, and what some of your initiatives are in 2021? Sure, I'd be happy to. And I'd also welcome Jason to add in as well. Um, so boss um, stands for Black Owners of Solar Services. We actually solar and storage services. These are business owners who um, are all African-American um, and our companies are from coast to coast. There are about 20, 25 um, operating companies doing everything from um, engineering through um, uh, uh, operations and maintenance, everything along the whole spectrum of work, including some manufacturing. Um, and so BOSS is an emerging trade association of these entities. And we have an internal focus as well as an external focus our internal focus is really to try to build the business competence of these organizations and to also um, create a space where folks don't feel so isolated with the work that we're doing. We're trying to break down that sense of isolation um, by creating a space where people can come together and um, gain increased awareness about trends and opportunities within the industry, as well as to build those core business competence functions. Um, and it, we're hoping that it will be a place, a clearinghouse of sorts, where there, there can be a depository of um, opportunities that folks can um, learn about and um, go after either individually or in partnership, which is really exciting. There's already conversation among the entities about how we might work together. And then finally, there's the external focus, which is um, we believe that by working together collectively, we can influence the marketplace. 
um, and expand the marketplace. And that's the whole reason why we, we wanted to come together, both for the internal as well as external aspects of that work. Jason, you want to add something? Um, only that I'm really uh, happy to be a part of BOSS and, uh, and um, that it's, it's sorely needed. So I think as we've come together, we've you know, really found that the, the purpose and intent is, is already there. We're already realizing that we don't have to be so isolated as the only African-American in the state of Tennessee that's certified in NAPSEP. Uh, you can imagine, uh, you know, as uh, Kenneth said, you know, being the only one in the room and, and just not seeing uh, any representation. So I'm just really uh, glad to be a part of BOSS and very much looking to what we can accomplish. Great. Um, we, we do have uh, know a number of different organizations represented here talking about their different initiatives. And I just want to throw it out to the group. You know, how do we make sure that we, we're continuing to innovate and, you know, innovate versus just be redundant? You know, how are we enhancing the work that we're doing and not just doing more of the same thing, maybe in our separate silos? So, does anyone have any thoughts on that? I'm happy to chime in there. Um, yeah. well, I know at least between SIA and Renewables Forward, we've actually formed a subgroup. So we coordinate on the projects that we're working on just to make sure that there is an overlap and to explore where there might be areas for, say, Renewables Forward to move forward on a mentorship program that makes more sense for them to do that work. I would love to do something similar with BOSS. Obviously, Julo and I would have to have a conversation with that and the other leaders at that organization um, to, to set that up. But I think that just by making sure that those lines of communication are open and that we have, you know, consistent times to check in and appraise each other of the work that we're doing, we can avoid that duplication. Awesome. And that's why we're here today to, to have these discussions. Um, I want to, I want to transition the conversation to, to talk about underserved communities. Um, and we have an excellent question here to kick us off uh, on that, on that topic. And it's from a business owner He's a solar business owner, Eric. And he says, how can installers expand their marketing and outreach to communities of underserved workers? Julo, I, I'd like to come to you with this question. Um, you and I chatted a few weeks ago. There, there isn't a lot of information out there for solar contractors about how to reach out to underserved communities or, or frontline communities and what the needs are there. Can you talk about the gap between understanding and learning and implementation or getting solar storage on those rooftops and in those homes? You know, I think that um, one of my core values is really about being resourceful. I think that there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. There are certainly um, institutions within communities that um, have always served as the place of education and communication to its um, neighbors. So, um, and they're the traditional um, institutions that we know of, Black-owned businesses, churches, um, community colleges, other sorts of existing institutions, I think, um, are a really good opportunity to start a conversation with them to say, can we talk to the folks that you're talking with and ask them what's the best way to reach out to the folks who you're talking with, with our message, as opposed to trying to create some new channel. Mm -hmm. um, 
Kenneth, let's bounce over to you. You do you do a lot of mentorship and education. What to the point of Eric's question, you know, how can installers expand their marketing and outreach to communities in, in under in underserved or homeowners in underserved communities? What's your, what's your experience there? Um, yeah, in my experience, um, we what I've seen be the the uh, hurdle is the financing um, that you know, has been a challenge. I've seen a lot of um, low-income communities being able to finance programs. So, but I think there are options. And I, I um, you know, when I look at what's needed in this community, it's just um, a proper understanding of the financial um, geography of those individuals. And one of the things we do is instead of using um, financing options that are, that are, have high interest rate, what we use is um, either cash deals and we work with in that we start in the communities that are a little that can afford it, and then you work your way to working with organizations like Grid Alternative to get the rest on, um, like you know, Grid Alternative program. They give it to homeowners for free if they don't qualify. So our homeowners, we are, although we are canvassing them, if they don't qualify, we're giving those leads to companies like Grid. So that's one of the ways that we try to keep those communities involved. Jason, can you talk a little bit about that about that intersection of the education that a lot of underserved communities need? You know, there might be fear about getting involved in, in a new technology. Can you talk about how you overcome some of those barriers? Uh, yeah. So um, when I was starting to kind of put this together uh, uh, several years ago, um, after I caught the kind of solar bug, uh, I was like, I'm not letting go of this. I don't care what China uh, pumps into the U.S. economy. Um, I started to understand that there, the, the financial hurdle, you know, for our communities and just for communities in general in the education piece is that you come across people. I had a conversation with uh, a gentleman about solar uh, and he said, yeah, I used to do that, you know, years ago in the 70s. But, you know, don't, don't those systems leak? And I was like, ah, well, you know, see, that's, there's a gap there. They're still thinking solar thermal, you know, they're, they're still thinking about hot water. And so we're talking electricity, you know, these days. So, you know, there's those kind of gaps. And then you, you got into maybe, what, 15, 20 plus years ago, where it was just out of reach financially for, for most people that they did look into it. But, you know, 2009, 10, you know, sales, uh, Equipment costs plummeted, and now you're you're looking at a whole different uh, market uh, that is is it's now available to. Still not, you know, completely available to LMI, but it's it's definitely um, getting closer. So uh, as I learned that, I decided community solar would be the best way to go about it, so that we could do a you know Costco type Sam's Club way. I explain it to people uh, model economies of scale. Hopefully, drops the price even further and other people can participate. Uh, in Tennessee, that's still a challenge uh, because of the TVA utility and the rules and everything. So what we decided was we would take it and just educate the public. So I'm the president of Tennessee, Sol Tennessee Solar Energy Association, which is a state chapter of ACES, American Solar Energy Society. That's an arm that I like to use to educate the public. And then also um, I went to a local high school that, and taught the students there how to do this uh, and they did everything from design to installation everything that they didn't have, a, have to have a license for they did so i uh, really believe that that and it has been a great catalyst to educate 
the public, put physical furniture in the community that people can go walk up to, see, ask questions about, and, and start the conversation from there. Dana, I'd like to to take a step back for a second. Uh, does CIA have any data, or, or can you talk about the size of the addressable market that underserved communities represent? Um, you know, trying to flesh out what, what the real opportunity is for our contractor audience there who, who's listening in. Sure. So there's actually uh, some reports that have been released from NREL and other institutions. Um, they do you know, annual or semi-annual reports. Uh, specifically looking at LMI households and solar potential uh, specific to the, the rooftop part of the industry. Um, and I believe the latest iteration of that report, they estimated that about 42% of all rooftop technical potential in the residential sector could um, come from LMI housing. So there's obviously a really uh, really a huge market opportunity there for installers if they're able to do the things like Ajula mentioned and go to say like a local church and educate the community and use that network as a way to provide education services and then also generate business leads. Um, there, there are organizations that are focused solely on doing that, like Interfaith Power and Light. They work directly with churches. Um, there are nonprofits like Kenneth mentioned that, you know, great alternatives, they go into the community and do that work. And in some states, even they're starting to align some of their um, LIHEAP funding and then also their solar programs. And that's another really good intersection because the state can help identify what uh, customers, what individuals might potentially benefit from not only energy efficiency improvements, but also utilizing existing incentives in that state to put solar on their homes and bring down their monthly cost of electricity. So there's a lot of opportunities for overlap there and I, there's a huge market potential too. That's great. I, w- I wanna come back to that energy efficiency point uh, because I, I know that Jason can weigh in on, on that. Um, Heather, um, on the financing side of things, financing as Kenneth mentioned has been you know, a real challenge in underserved communities. Um, I'd love to, to get your thoughts on what you're hearing about what the, what the financing sector is doing to address that. And one question we got from an audience, uh, and this one is from DK, and the question is, given that minorities have below average FICO scores, how do your new loan instruments avoid discrimin- discriminatory solar access? What are your comments on that? Yeah, so I, I uh, thank you for sending the question ahead of time. I was able to, uh, you know, it's not my my area. I'm the yep. head of human resources. I was able to check with uh, our uh, head of risk, and and you know, he said that they regularly review the the products. They have a process that they go through, um, uh, looking at the FICO score and and making sure that they're not only not overtly discriminatory, but that there's not a disparate impact. But I think really the root of the question is, is how can we make solar more accessible that uh, financing uh, can be challenging uh, for folks who don't have a a high FICO score. And I think that it's about the the, uh, companies like Mosaic, not just declining the borrowers, but routing them to other alternatives Or uh, one thing that we've looked into is how can we, um, rather than just declining a borrower, uh, provide them with resources on 
how they can potentially improve their, their FICO score. So I think that, um, you know, really helping to find those paths forward so that folks can find the, um, the, the resources that are available to help them with the funding. Uh, it, it, that's the approach that we've been taking. Awesome. Kenneth, I, I want to come back to you. And, you know, you talked earlier about being in the community, inside your community. And, you know, we're all working in our communities and we want to support our communities and bring clean energy to, to folks. Um, you know, and you're actively um, mentoring folks from inside your communities, um, helping support them on their on their solar journey, their renewable energy journey. And you're also balancing that with um, with running your own solar contracting business. Can you talk about the balance that you need to strike there? I'm sure, yeah. Well, for me, it's, it's maybe a little easier because I'm not a large company. We probably have about seven individuals um, during the time. Um, so I do get to work closer with, with the installers than someone usually would be able to. Uh, and when you work, you know, a lot of times when people that come out of these communities, you think it because you get them just a skill set uh, that they would need to get into the industry that that's all they need and they should be able to keep up with everyone else. But that all isn't always the case. A lot of these individuals have ex other uh, personal issues that they struggle with and getting them the, the uh, mentorship to, you know, holding them accountable, uh, make sure they're responsible and, and coaching them when they have situations going on. Someone may have had a bad day at home with his wife, you know, and you come to work and usually, you know, individuals just tough through those things, but some of the individuals can't tough to it like that. And sometimes just having someone they can talk to with them, give them some advice, maybe some personal advice uh, helps go a long way in keeping them driven and focused. Awesome. Jason, let's bounce over to you to, to pick up on the home uh, efficiency conversation. That's a place where um, uh, folks can make a really big impact on uh, reducing costs for folks. Can you talk about the balance for your company between offering solar and educating folks on home efficiency and the inroads you've made there? Sure, sure. And if you don't mind, I'm going to double back on what I was saying before. I felt like sure. I was starting to uh, talk a little long, so I kind of cut it short. But the, the great work that um, Baywa is doing is, is awesome and, and part of what we need to do going forward and partnering. Um, you're partnering with me, helping me to, I did the work with the, the high school and now I'm getting ready to do uh, an installation in a black community um, that uh, Baywa is helping with the equipment part of that. So I think that's gonna be great furniture in that community that, uh, and. Uh, I'm just really excited about that. So uh, I think that's also a part of how we educate the community is doing projects like that with, with companies that can, uh, can help. Uh, as far as energy efficiency is concerned, they go, it goes hand in hand with solar. Um, and, you know, as I started learning about solar, I learned that energy efficiency is like a bridge uh, into solar. Uh, I talk to homeowners all the time about, you know, let's do, just our ideal project is to do a, a kind of a net zero approach. You know, let's go in and look at your demand and your issues um, and see if we can reduce demand such that uh, we can uh, put as, we can, we don't have to invest as much into solar. So if we can uh, do it on, because anyone that has, does this knows that you have a, a bigger, uh, better return on investment with energy efficiency than you do solar. Um, that's, you know, just being honest. So. Um, and also energy efficiency is 
a shorter lead time. Uh, so solar can, you know, be a while before a homeowner gets that initial conversation all the way to they're ready to sign a contract and uh, move forward. Whereas if we're talking um, something as small as attic insulation or LED lights or um, air sealing, duct sealing, uh, a lot of those things uh, can be a smaller ticket and a lot more palatable, especially for uh, low and moderate income uh, communities. So um, I have used it again, because of the TVA environment with solar, they basically ended residential solar. Um, I've used it as a bridge for my business, but also even in better times, uh, it's just a part of our offering because I think it's just the right thing to do. Does anyone else have any comments on the home efficiency front? I, I'll I add a little bit there. Please, um, yeah. The model that we've developed also, um, Inner Wealth has developed with our rural electric cooperative, our pilot project actually combines the, just as Jason described, uh, community solar array with energy, efficient, energy efficiency investments. Um, and we're working with the rural electric cooperative who has a tariff on bill financing mechanism already in place that's based on the pay as you save model that Clean Energy Works developed. And that's also a gateway um, for some utilities to begin offering tariff on bill financing for rooftop installations, um, which is really at the edge in a lot of ways. Um, but um, just as Jason said, you can have immediate impact in terms of reducing that energy burden for low and moderate income people simply by replacing inefficient um, appliances and sealing leaky windows. Um, so it is a really important um, an, an important intervention and pairing that alongside um, on-site generation is really um, exciting and, and, and important work. So I would encourage all of the installers on the call to, to begin thinking about how can you um, increase your product lines to include energy efficiency upgrades. Great. Um, yeah, I, if I could jump on that too. Of course. I will also add to that on uh, EV, you know, as being here in California, I know for sure we're at an EV. Um, the mandate is to no longer um, even sell um, gas cars after 2035, I believe. And so EV, building EV structure, uh, infrastructure in, in the cities and uh, maintaining these uh, charger importance is going to be something essential for any solar company, including in what they do. For sure. Um, let's. I I, I want to address a question from Sarah. She 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 sent us a longer story about a you know, a predatory practice that she she witnessed in the low income community, uh, and I'm not sure of the time frame, but essentially the customer. Uh, was thrilled to be paying about $2 a month for solar. And when Sarah talked to the woman, she found out that um, the, the, the customer had paid for this $2 a month solar under the Obama program. And it was clear that she was misled. And she was a Spanish speaker. And when the contract had come to be signed, the contract was in English. And so the terms weren't clear. And then when the lease uh, true up came, uh, she was forced to make payments directly from her bank account. But, you know, this makes everyone in the industry look bad. And, and I'm wondering, you know, we, we need to create trust um, with, with solar 
uh, customers. We need to make trust. We need to create trust in homeowners and communities. Um, I'm wondering, just from the group, like, is this something we need to keep our eye on? Um, are these practices, you know, happening? Um, is it common? Uh, any thoughts on this? Julia, Dana, do you want, do you want to jump in? Then, then a Julo want to Julo, yeah. go go ahead. Okay, really quick. I just uh, this is this is probably a Sia question for sure, but consumer protections are a really important aspect of our business, and and we certainly need to keep an eye on that. Um, in emerging markets like the Southeast, North Carolina in particular, um, we're learning from the more sophisticated markets about how to improve our a regulatory regime to make sure that we've got this, those kind of consumer protections in place. And so now we have a leasing product in North Carolina, for instance. And with that leasing product, there are provisions in our statute that spell out exactly what must go in a contract. It also um, spells out exactly what can and cannot be used as a part of advertising as it relates to solar. So um, some of our markets are starting to learn from others, but I think that kind of like the pandemic, a federal response is probably what's necessary. Dana, any comments to follow up on that? Yeah, happy to happy to chime in there. Um, so I definitely agree with what Julio said. This is, is something that our industry needs to take very seriously. And it's something as a trade association we care a lot about. Um, we actually have a consumer protection resource portal and I'll add the link into the chat so folks can see that. Uh, but it includes information like our solar business code, which really spells out the way that installers and other folks in the industry should be operating. We have a complaint resolution process as well. So if consumers like the one you referenced um, do have an issue with an installation that's performed or some sort of interaction they have with a solar business, they can actually submit a complaint through that online form. Um, and we have a process internally where our attorneys will review that. We will reach out to the company. We will try to help come to some sort of resolution and, and help the, the customer there. Um, and then ultimately, you know, if outside of that issue, we're not, you know, outside of that parameter, we're not able to resolve the issue. A consumer can go to um, their, you know, attorney general's office and file a complaint. Obviously, we don't want it to get to that level. We don't think it should. We think everyone should be operating with best practices in mind, they should not be, you know, using um, deceptive marketing tactics or anything like that. But those, there are resources available if that does occur to try to find some, um, some resolution. We also have other resources on that page. Again, I'll post a link in just a second with residential disclosures. Um, we have model contracts on our website that are available in English and in Spanish. Um, and so there are resources like that out there that installers can use to try to mitigate some of that. Um, but we also, you know, whenever we interact with consumers, we encourage them to try to educate themselves as well and protect themselves just like they would with any other purchase. Um, if they can try to get multiple quotes from installers, that's a really good way to make sure that they're getting a fair price. If someone, you know, comes up and knocks on your door to sell you a car or to sell you something else, you might be a little bit hesitant to do that without looking online first and seeing if it's a good price or if there were similar offerings. So we just like to try to encourage folks on, on both sides um, to, to, you know, take a couple steps. But again, if there, there are issues, we do have some resources that, that folks can use. So I'll drop that link in the chat now. Great. Thank you. Um, before I move on, um, does anyone have any out-of-the-box kind of creative ways 
to address uh, working with, in underserved communities. You know, and I, I don't know uh, what those might be. You know, certain incentive programs that might fly under the radar of most residential solar contractors. Say a company wants to uh, approach an underserved community or seed a project like Jason's doing uh, in Tennessee. Are there programs or non-traditional angles that, that we haven't talked about um, that anyone uh, wants to weigh in on? And maybe not. Jason, any thoughts? Yeah, I just, because um, I don't want it to be dead air, but I think that um, the approach, in my opinion, is to um, find the Kenneth Wells and uh, the Jason Carneys out there and push them forward and and have them be the, the spokespeople for what you're trying to do so that you can build some trust. And then I think the sky's the limit from there. Uh, one, one thing that I've discussed with a, a company um, is that's trying to reach um, the Hispanic community and, and African-American community with solar is partnering with large firms that have a, um, a uh, I guess, a carbon appetite that they need satisfied. So you could get into some kind of, kind of carbon trading um, with them where they could fund half of the installation for the carbon credits or the, the RECs, uh, the solar RECs. And so now the system is half the cost and now you can reach down to uh, an LMI community with a system that might be you know, 35 or $40,000, it's now 17 to $20,000. So um, I think there are, uh, there's always uh, a way to, to do things, um, but it's gonna take the trust built, I think, first to implement those things. Great, thanks, Jason. I'd like to chat just for a few minutes about opportunities that we all see coming up. Uh, Ajulo, um, I actually want to come back to something Jason said on our previous town hall as well. And he said he thought that um, the fastest way for communities of color to get into the energy space was was in solar. You know, do you do you feel um, do you feel that way? And do, what do you see as the opportunities growing in 2021? Um, where, where do you see the biggest opportunities? Yeah, I do agree with Jason's comment. I think that um, there, there are going to be lots and lots of opportunities um, for folks to come into solar as consumers, as workers. And the part that I'm most excited about is as owners and producers. Um, and even if you're net metering, that is still producing electricity and selling it back to the grid. Um, so I would love for us to begin thinking about that frame, think, using that framework as we think about um, becoming producers of electricity. Um, the, the thing that I'm most excited about is the potential for the Clean Energy Accelerator, which is the Federal Green Bank. I'm super hopeful that um, it will get capitalized with federal resources under the new administration and the new Congress. Um, it has within it a 40% target for disadvantaged, low and moderate income frontline communities, which is tremendous. Um, a 40% uh, target of a $100 billion fund 
that um, with seed money from the federal government could leverage two to three dollars per every dollar. And so that is um, a resource that if it's funded, and it only needs to be funded once, um, that if it is funded, could provide the kind of resources to begin to get at the level of access that we're looking for, that we're all talking about. Awesome. Thank you. And I believe that you were just appointed the point person for the North Carolina uh, Green Bank. So congratulations. Yeah. So I'm a little bit of a cheerleader for Green Banks right now. <laughs> makes sense for sure. Thank um, you. Heather, uh, I'd like to bounce to you. You know, what are you excited about in 2021, uh, whether it's on the financing side or, you know, from Renewables Forward? Um, what are you looking forward to next year? Yeah, Renewables Forward, like I said, is, is a new group. Um, we've been uh, really came together in the spring. And I feel like in the last couple of months, we have more clearly defined our structure and how we're going to work together. Um, you know, defining that we are an initiative, we're, we're, we're not a, a nonprofit, uh, we're not a company, uh, how are we all going to work together? And I feel like we've put that framework in place. And we're now in the process of defining what is our 2021 plan, really focusing on the outcomes that we want to achieve and uh, what are, how can people participate? Like I said earlier, we want, really want this to be a group that's focused on action. Uh, and so I feel like a lot of the groundwork has been put into place and we're now at a great place to uh, take, take action. Great. So I, I want to start to wrap up here. We, we've got like four minutes left. Um, and we could probably talk for another hour, at least, I'm assuming, but, you know, we'll, we'll leave that for another time. But I'd like to ask all of our guests for their, for their top one recommendation. It was two, but, but just one recommendation for things contractors can do to support fair access to renewable energy in their communities. Um, but before I ask the, those questions, I'll just make a few announcements and Jessica will pop these links in, in the chat along with the million other links we've added there today. Um, we've got a Solar Edge event tomorrow. Come and, come and see the new Energy Hub uh, and the new LG Commercial Solution Resu 16H Prime. If you're interested in getting involved in the CNI space, sign up for our commercial newsletter and join us on Friday for our, our next mindfulness session. So getting back to our guest, Ajulo, um, I wanna thank you for coming. Uh, you're the founder and CEO of Enerwealth Solutions and community representative for the Boss Group. Um, thank you for joining us. And what's your one recommendation for solar contractors on creating fair and equitable solar communities? You're welcome. And I'm so glad to be invited. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I would say start a conversation with someone who's different from you. Surprisingly, I mean, not surprisingly, installers are entrepreneurs. And so um, we can get really creative and a conversation could spark something interesting. Mm -hmm. So start a conversation with someone different than you and see where that might lead. Great. Heather Houston, VP of People at Mosaic Solar and Steering Committee Representative at Renewables Forward. Thank you for joining us today. And what is your one recommendation for folks? My recommendation is to think not only about what is your company doing, but who are you partnering with and what are they doing? Uh, we're going to 
approach this by all working together. And so I think knowing who your partners are and what their practices are uh, keeps us all in those checks and balances. Great. Jason, great to have you again on the show. You're the president of the Tennessee Solar Energy Association and CEO of Energy Electives. Uh, Second town hall, hope to have you on for a third. What's your one recommendation for us today? Don't invite me back. That's the one. <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, um, I, I really feel like I have to piggyback off of what has been said already, especially uh, with Heather said in partnerships. Um, mm-hmm. Look for the partnerships and, um, you know, I'll throw out Energy Democracy. It's a book. Um, educate yourself on why it's necessary because um, if we, if we help our fellow uh, man, our fellow neighbor, then we actually help ourselves. So it's an Mm -hmm. environmental thing. It's a social thing. It's all the above. So partnerships. Great. Dana Sleeper, the Director of External Affairs at SIA. Thank you for joining us, Dana. Uh, What's your one recommendation to create a fair and equitable solar industry? Thanks for having me, Tom. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and with everyone else on the panel. Um, I would say get involved and you know it, it all starts with you you can get involved in boss the black owned solar owners in solar services or solar and storage you can get involved in sia you can get involved in your local aces chapter whatever organization or community group makes sense get involved because you can then have the conversations that Adula mentioned you can you know work on um, developing those new relationships with folks or getting involved as a mentor yourself potentially um, all of those sorts of changes are, are incremental potentially, but they add up. And also by being involved in a larger organization, you amplify your voice. That's the whole reason we have trade associations. That's the whole reason we have these leadership groups is so that we can go in front of you know, the state legislature and say, this is what we need to make things better. Um, so get involved, even if it's in a small way, it, it really does make a difference. Great. And we got a question from Frank uh, who asked, can the link be shared in the chat to all the attendees? Yeah, when we send out our um, announcement about when the recording is live, we'll share the links as well. Kenneth, let's wrap up with you today. You're the owner and founder of O&M Solar Services. I see you, you've got like a uh, product being unboxed and ready for installation. Um, I'm on a job you- site right now. All right. Um, Thank you for joining us today. What's your one recommendation for for folks to create uh, an equitable solar industry? Uh, I would say hiring, um, um, hiring, you know, what we are, what we're, I've been doing for the last three years has been on the workforce development board for Grid Alternative. And we've been working hard to create training uh, programs that can get individuals the skills they need to get into this industry. And you have companies here in California, like Tesla, who have 500 openings, uh, and we want to make sure that we partner those training programs that we're developing with those people that need to hire so that we can get those individual jobs. So I would say hiring, finding those local training programs that are in these communities and, and finding the right individual to hire. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank, thanks for our audience for joining us today. This was a wonderful discussion. We want to hear from you. Uh, what do you want us to tackle in these town halls and town halls in 2021? We're going to leave the window running so you can all pull from the chat uh, while it's fresh in your minds. But we talked about partnership today. We talked about reaching out. Um, great discussion. Thank you to all of our guests for joining us today and taking the time in this busy season. 
Hope to see you again soon. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Jessica, I love you.